Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Talk a little bit about faith versus law today. Um, Really, what you've seen there, somebody preaching at Killian didn't free him. Somebody telling him he shouldn't take drugs or shouldn't be the way he is didn't change him. What changed him was a, a loving mother who pointed him to a life source that could shift the inside of him, his soul, into a position that could receive forgiveness, peace, and a new way. Can I get an amen? And so there's a problem with the law. There's a problem with sometimes our thinking, if we're honest. And so uh, we're going to take today's scripture out of the book of Galatians. And this is what's happening in the church in Galatia, is they are getting mixed up with faith and works. The, the, The law and faith in Christ alone is being mixed together. They're starting to add to, to just faith in Christ, that, hey, faith in Christ, and you must attend church, and you must wear the right suits, and you must uh, have a, a good track record for X amount of time, and, 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 plus, plus. And if we're honest, sometimes we do the same. We're going to talk about this in just a second. And so I'm going to read the verse before I do, so I want to just pray. So today's message is called Faith versus law. Let's pray. God, I just pray and thank you that your grace is enough. I thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit is welcome here, is released here, and can speak to us in many different ways to many different situations in our life. God, move right now in Jesus' name and help me to speak your words. And everyone said, amen. So I'm going to read it. I'm going to do your weekly Bible reading right now. We've got 15 verses. Can you hold tight? Can you concentrate for 15 verses? I know it's a crazy world with attention spans and all that, but we're going to, we're going to read through Galatians here. Galatians 3 verses 1 to 15 says, Oh foolish Galatians. So he's saying you're, you're dumb. Stop being dumb. Who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made so clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Did Killian's life change through just do's and don'ts? No, of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I asked you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. There's something about the line that is drawn in the sand when we believe it's just all about Christ as our foundation. Verses 6, in the same way, watch this, we talked about this last week, Abraham believed God and God counted him as, counted him as righteous because of his faith, not his works, because he was a sinner. 
He was deceived. He was messed up. He lied. He was broken. He was on a journey. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scripture looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of what? Their, because of their faith. God proclaimed the good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scripture says, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commandments that are written in God's book of the law. So they're cursed because they don't abet. We're cursed because we're not perfect if we follow the law. So it is, it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. The way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued you. Are you still with me? We're nearly there. Two to go. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. So that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. You're getting the point. Through faith and not works. Through faith and not law. I was speaking to a person not too long ago about baptism. And they were being told by some people that they weren't ready for baptism. Why? Because they weren't behaving correctly. And I get it. I understand it. I think that way sometimes myself until I check what the Scripture says. And they're like, Look, you probably need your life a little bit more together before you confess that you believe in Christ. You probably need to have a bit more order in your life before you're ready to make a public declaration. Right? We've all probably believed that. We've seen that. We're like, well, how are they in church? And really what's happening is we're starting to fall back like the Galatians into a works mindset. We're starting to fall back into a mindset that's not really about putting our faith in Christ. And our foundation is not just faith in Christ, but it's faith in Christ plus you better look right, you better speak right, you better talk right, you better have your life all together before you come to Christ. And so I had to remind this person, like, this is not the deal. When you come here to get baptized, it's because you had faith and you've made a decision, an internal decision in your heart to say, I I'm believing in Christ. Why? Because I'm a sinner. I've fallen short of God's holy law and I can't fulfill it. And so that's what we're doing here. That's our foundation. Now, I, I understand some of you are saying, but surely there should be life change. Of course, that's the point. Because when we begin to shift our beliefs and free ourselves up from shame and guilt, we break the cycle of sin. We break the curse 
We were sharing, in pre, Naomi was actually sharing pre-service how it's so true so when you sin, what actually happens is you feel ashamed and you actually don't want to go close to God or near to God because you feel, I've messed up. Why would God want to speak to me? Have you ever messed up with a friend or you maybe said something you shouldn't have and then you see them? Or you gossiped about them behind their back? And then you see them and you're like, oh man, this is awkward. I'll go to the other side of the room. I'll maybe not go to that venue or that, that space, that maybe church. I don't want to go anymore. Why? Because I'm shamed. I feel guilty because I wronged I wrong them. It's the same thing. It's the same idea. We know in our hearts we're not perfect. And so this is what the problem is with sometimes with church. If we get this mixed up, what happens is somebody coming through the door doesn't feel accepted, doesn't feel they have hope, doesn't feel good enough. That's because people are kind of, this sense in the spiritual, people are looking at them with a, what are you doing here? I know what you were like last night. I know where you were. I know what you done last year. And we as a church then become, if, if we fall into that, condemners. But Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to what? Save it. And so Jesus came with a spirit of reconciliation. He said, I understand the problem. I'm going to deal with it so that you can come freely into the house of the Lord. So you can come freely into relationship with Christ. And then we work from there. And then let's work some of the sin things which are causing you conflict or actually enslaving you, destroying your life. Let's work from there. But you're first and foremost, you're accepted because of Christ. So every day you can wake up and say, I'm feeling guilty, I'm feeling ashamed, but you know what, God? You've forgiven me. I'm righteous. I'm holy. Not because of what i done, because of what you've done. And when you're doing that, you give Christ glory. And you know what happens? Your heart becomes healed in those moments. Your heart becomes whole in those moments. You start to be conscious free. I can now start to work on my issues practically without condemnation. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? amen. Sorry, I didn't speak that right, so I had to, but thanks for two. <laughs> and so faith is God's economy. God works in the economy of faith. You cannot, the Bible says in Hebrews, you can't actually please God without faith. Abraham was counted righteous in right standing with God, in right relationship together in agreement with God through faith. Number two, we all have fallen short of God's glory, meaning we've all fallen short of God's perfect law. A life of perfection is impossible for every single person in this room. We're all on the same playing field. Can I get an amen? Does anyone realize that yet? I want to tell this story because I just love it. My, my lovely wife is from a Catholic background. There was a bunch in here from a Catholic background watching online. And I just love that we're reaching people from all demographics. Catholic, Protestant, atheist, Jew, Muslim, whatever it is, we have people come from all backgrounds, and that's incredible. I think that's the way it should be. Amen? Come on, we're getting, getting warmed up. And when, when Anna kind of started coming to church here, she said some things, and I was just really taking note of, like, because no one had taught her this. She literally came from the chapel into R8. And, and 
I'm just going by what her, her experience told me. She said her, her whole life, she always felt there was like a line that was drawn in the sand, so to speak, or a tape. Let's this, 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 this create a line. If I can unravel this. I probably should have wore, wore the head mic today, to be fair. Anna, do you want to help me? Please. Come on, put our hands together for Anna, my lovely wife. Right, we'll, we'll so there's a line here. You've seen us do that? Thank you, Anna. You're good. You're good to go. So there's a line here. And so the way she explained to me was her whole life, she had heard this message uh, to her, which was the gospel message as far as she was aware. And it was always, she always felt she was trying to get there. There was a line that she could never truly achieve because it was like a law. It was like, I need to do this. I need to go to church here. I need to confess here. I need to do this. And then all of a sudden sin would then, she'd take one step forward and do all that. And then sin would take her back. And then she'd go back forward and get so close and then come back to fulfilling the law and just would never get there. She, she, she never felt worthy to, for purpose. She never thought God could actually use her to do anything because she could never reach the line. So there was always a spirit of like condemnation, not good enough, can't move forward, da-da-da. Then she said, the, the way you are speaking here, Phil, it's as if you are over here. The lines behind you, it's as if what Christ done dealt with condemnation, dealt with shame, and now you can actually focus on having actually purpose and using the gifts that God has given to you. And I thought that was just incredible. She actually ended up saying things like, I feel like I'm born again. And I was like, who told you that? Did someone like tell you how to say that or, or that's the right thing to say? She said, no, I just feel that way. It's, it's like a, I'm a new person. I've got like a new spirit. There's a new motive in me. It's, it's completely different to what I had before. And I just thought this was incredible. And so I think that's the essence of what I'm trying to say and what Paul was trying to say to the Galatian church. It's like, listen, it's not a bit of both sitting on the fence. And so Christ drew a line in the sand and we go from there. And when we get back into condemnation and, and shame, we remind ourselves of the cross and we get propelled forward again. We get propelled forward to work on our issues, to work on our stuff while we minister, while we do God's work, while we pray for people. We are broken vessels that God has chosen to use. Am I making sense? And so I just thought that was so important. We've all fallen short, but Christ has deemed us righteous, holy, and available. And that's why sinners can, can pray for people and people get healed. That's why sinners can, can present their testimony and as life is still hard and there's still sin, there's still stuff that we're progressing through. God can use it to redeem a life. That's why we can have people on the welcome team who you might have seen a few years back or even last night, and they're in a work in progress, and they can welcome people and they can feel accepted in God's house. That's why we can have people on the prayer team. Now listen, of course, we're not going to just let people into certain roles if they're completely immature in certain areas of their life. There's the whole point of the line being drawn is that we can go from glory to glory. 
that sin loses its grip, that we overcome. That, that's the whole point of Christ coming is to set us free from sin. But we just couldn't get free down here because we were too beat up, too condemned, too full of shame. That's why the law in us, you know what actually, if, if we live a law-based life, we never get free. We actually, this is why people call us hypocrites. Oh, those people in church, they're hypocrites. It's because we've been preaching a message of the law. And we're like, you should be doing this and you should be doing that. And then they look at our life and then it will, if we're going to go by your standard, you're a mess too. So don't be preaching to me because I see you and I know what you're like behind closed doors. But if the church is preaching the message of grace, hey, we're preaching from the front. I'm a mess. I'm saved by grace. I'm saved by what Christ done. I'm righteous only because of what he done. So, so you've got nothing on me. I'm putting my hands up. I'm surrendering to the idea that I'm perfect. So don't expect it. You come to church, it's a mess. You come to my family, it's a mess. It's not completely a mess, but there's some mess. <laughs> and we're cleaning it up, and we're tidying it up. And there's fallouts, and we're working at it, and we're, we're using what the Bible, we're applying the Bible, God's ways of doing things. We're asking the Holy Spirit to come and keep our hearts soft so we don't get offended and just move on. That we keep working at a relationship. Anyone ever realize that in a relationship you're going to have to work on forgiveness? You're going to have to work on your thankfulness? You're going to have to work on yourself? And that's how God brings us in humility from glory to glory. But if you're down here already beat up and someone tries to correct you, make you better, give you feedback, you're going to bite really hard. You have nothing to give. You already feel you're not worthy. Then all of a sudden you start looking for areas, sinful areas in your life to maybe get some feelings of temporal happiness because you're struggling down here under law. Three, the law is still holy. So it's not that we're throwing God's holy commandments out, you know, do not kill. That's still a holy thing to do. Do not kill. You know, keep the Sabbath day holy. That's still a, a holy thing to do. Honor your father and your mother. That's still a holy thing to do. All of those things, don't have other gods before you. That's still the right thing to do. So it's not that we're throwing the law out. It's just that we're not in, in relationship with a stone, with just writings. God came to give us personal relationship with a person. It's so much more, it's so, so much more powerful and potent to be in love with a person than with a stone. And so the law is still holy, so we're not throwing that out. Four, Jesus brought the person of the Holy Spirit, not the law of the Holy Spirit. He brought a person, not a thing, not just a writing, not just a, a rule book. He brought a person. I'm going to explain in a minute why a person makes all the difference. You see, the law was Christ concealed. And the Spirit was Christ revealed. I just actually thought about this in worship. You think about God's story, the big picture. We have Abraham, and then we have the Israel, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, 
and Jacob, and then we have the Israelite nation, and, and they're coming out of Egypt, and, and they're contained. They're concealed. They haven't been really told to go out into all the world yet and preach the gospel. They're, they're a concealed group of people. It's sometimes you're wondering, what about the rest of humanity? But why you're thinking that? Because they're concealed. It's not an open house just yet. Until the New Testament, we see it's, the house gets open to the Gentiles. That's us. And so, so Christ is concealed, but the New Testament is Christ is revealed. Meaning, in the New Testament, God wants us to go further than the, the past seasons of old. The Israelites were a season, God's people, they grew to mass numbers, but then God said, we're opening this thing up to the whole earth. And it's now time to go to the corners of the earth. And that's the season that we find ourselves in today. And so what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that God brought the Holy Spirit. He sent Jesus to not, to not just contain us, to release us. That's why the priesthood is not just one person anymore or select few. It's all of us together. In the New Testament believer, we're his royal priesthood together. You can go into your work, workplace today as a holy person representing God representing Jesus in the workplace, having the gifts of the Spirit in operation. It's a go-to mindset. Well, I want to show you this. The human strength, when it involves a person and not just an object, this is what can happen. This, this is, these are some news reports I'm about to read off. There was a grandmother that lifted a Chevy Impala off a teenage grandson, a grandmother. A car, a five-door car. Arizona man beats heaviest deadlift on record. So if you're at the gym, 1,000-pound deadlift. To save a cyclist under a car. Johnny Walker was under a car. Someone came along, just deadlifted world records. Because of a person, what? Because of love. Ottawa, a man, I'm not going to say that. A man lifts murky sedan to save girl. College footballer player lifts 3,500-pound Cadillac off pinned trucker. Daughter lifts BMW off unconscious dad. Man lifts SUV off tiny child. I'll just read a little bit about this one out. out. Guy Williams later said he saw the boy's face in a deathly gray-blue state, eyes bulged, mouth foaming, so Williams conjured every bit of his hysterical strength in his average frame I don't know how long, maybe a couple of minutes or so I had it up. I was bawling out and bawling out. Then I started thinking, geez, if I drop this, it will kill him. He didn't drop it, and the boy's father came to pull him out. The boy survived just fine. One month later, Williams said this back, <laughs> said his back was acting up. <laughs> yep. But it was well worth it. He says, I don't know what it's like to win the lottery, but it felt better than that. And what, what's my point? My point is when it's about a person, when, it, when people are in the mix, our, our human ability has the ability to go beyond the natural. The supernatural starts to come into play. That's what Christ did for us. He got rid of just the natural feelings of our flesh and started to connect us to something beyond ourselves, to be able to love God and love people beyond what was naturally possible because it's the person of the Holy Spirit and not the law of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Am I connecting dots? 
And so faith goes further than the law. Our heart is designed to love, and love will always go further than just the bare minimum. So, so here's a few things for you to think about. A checklist if you're a legalist. A checklist if you're a law-based Christian. And listen, we all fall under this. Doesn't matter, only because you're a new fancy church with lights and whatever, we can become very religious very quickly if we're not careful. Number one, I determine if God loves me or not based on how well I have kept the rules. Number two, I might acknowledge I was saved by grace alone. My effort is something to do with, but I believe my effort is something to do with me staying saved. Three, I tend to pray less when I fear God is mad at me about something. Four, I'm all about reading the Bible to help others rather than myself. So I read the Bible more, what can I get for someone, rather than what's God saying to me? Five, I notice that bad behavior in others, I notice bad behavior in others without giving thought to their past pain or suffering. It's getting very quiet in here. Six, when others sin, other sinners suffer for their choices, I hear a tiny voice in my head saying, serves them right. Seven, I love going to Bible study more than serving or witnessing as it feeds me. It makes me spiritually mature. <laughs> and, and the last one, I only feel love when I am successful. Whew. That's a hard one. That's a hard one. Because we're performance-driven, the world teaches us if we don't perform well, we're not loved. And that's why the gospel is sometimes hard to believe because it's the too good to be true news. See, law-based thinking is what steals the power of God from us and causes us, what's this, to underperform. <laughs> it causes us to actually underperform. What's this? Comparison law to G what Jesus would say. Law says, do not kill. Jesus says, love your enemies. So, do not kill. Just bare minimum. Love your enemies. Need far more capacity. If I'm over here under law, I'm not even thinking about other people. I'm trying to, still trying to figure myself out because I'm a mess. I'm, my focus, the law just causes me to focus on all my issues. I, I don't even have time to think of anyone else. But over here, I can. The law says tithe. Jesus says Jesus advocated the woman who gave, poured perfume over him, which was worth 40,000 pounds. And the Pharisees were like, what are you doing? Like, that could have lasted you all year. And Jesus advocates the widow's might. She gave her all. And then even, the Pharisees even said that they give their tithe, and Jesus said, no, but I want your heart. Because they weren't looking after the poor. They weren't looking, their heart was, was more law. What can I give to get? But Jesus said, no, I want the full picture. I want you to actually embrace people, have compassion on people as well as giving the tithe. And so when we look at the law and we, and we look at, at post-cross, what we see is the law is just the baseline. The law is just the beginning. 
The law, that, that's why when we talk about tithes and offers in church, we're really talking about a principle of the tithe as a starting point to release our grip. Not so much this is the be-all, end-all limitation. In the same way, when we talk about forgiveness or, or, or uh, do not murder or do not you know, keep the Sabbath day holy, it, it's more than that. It's not just limited to that. It's like, hey, let's just get into a relationship with God. You see, when you start to fall in love with people, you do some crazy things. There's no limit. If we can get a church that falls in love with people and wants to see them come to faith, we're not going to have a problem with any of those things, whether it be forgiveness, whether it be generosity, whether it be praying for people, whether it be uh, inviting people to church or group or starting groups or sacrificing of any kind, we don't have an issue when we truly understand it's about relationship. Can I get an amen? I want to finish with just some practical scenarios because sometimes I've heard this and I just like, right, it's getting too confusing. I'm trying to, I heard a few people speak on it. I'm just like, I still, I get it par- partially, but it's still a bit confusing. So I really felt that I want to do some really practical examples. So let's start with one. Um, so I'll set the tone. The flesh, the sin nature, is obsessed and we all have this, is obsessed with power, possession, and our own glory. That's what the flesh is obsessed with. But the spirit is attracted to surrender to God, trust, and worship, giving glory to God. The Bible actually says that we can't see the kingdom of God unless we have that spiritual encounter, that born again that line in the sand. We can't actually see God's purposes. We can't actually do what God has called us to do unless we have that line in the sand through Christ. So practical example number one, you were betrayed. Someone at work betrayed you, went behind your back, someone in church, someone at home, and some sort of relationship betrayed you. The flesh, the pride wants to control and repay. Don't put your hands up. But our natural inclination is I'm getting them back. Oh, you hit me, you hit me, you hit me tw- once, I'm hitting you twice. You better get ready. I want to trans, what's this? Wants to transfer the substance of anger into hate in forms of words, even maybe physical, scheming, plans of attack. Cannot stop thinking, talking, gossiping, and slandering the perceived enemy. Put others under the curse. That's what happens through betrayal with our flesh. Spirit connects with biblical truth. Do not repay evil with evil, but repay evil with good. Wants to surrender to God, submit to God, trust God's way above our own. Cast the cur and the burden to God, removing the grip and the curse of payback. The mind is now clear. The debt has been paid. Jesus saved me from similar sin So I'm going to free that person from similar sin. I have been forgiven much, so I'm going to forgive others to the same amount. I now have freedom in Christ because I reacted with the Spirit. Can I get an amen to that? Number two, you want promotion in work, even at church. 
or in a team. I don't know. So the flesh would say, plan for success, manipulating situations to your advantage, forcing you need this for validation, for more possessions, looks, reputation. You're nice to people in order to gain. Anyone ever done that? <laughs> Driven to serve for potential glory, what's your heart motive? When the door is open, credit is given to yourself, if you're honest. Now, sometimes we have some of this fake humility, and we kind of say, oh, all glory to God, but deep down, what's your heart saying? I was pretty good there. I've done pretty well. The Spirit, this is what the Spirit would say in that, in that position. Plans for success would be committed to loving God, keeping a soft heart, trust in His plan ultimately despite day to day, committed to loving people, serve as unto the Lord, that's our priority, works hard, trustworthy, and thankful, credit given to God and people at every opportunity to keep themselves from believing their own hype. That's, a, that's the Holy Spirit reaction, which keeps you from allowing pride to cling and scheming to cling and ideas to take root, which are of self. Three, you serve someone. The flesh would say, give in to the, give in the, in the hope someone. Might have to skip this one. <laughs> Okay, we can. We can do it. So the flesh, I just serve someone, so I give to someone. So I serve someone to gain favor with someone else or an organization. I'm trying to scheme. I'm trying to work things out. The reason I'm serving is more for what I can gain. The Spirit would say, God serve me, and I'm thankful. And because I'm thankful, I want to serve others. I want to give back. I genuinely care about people. I pray for people. I want them to break free in the areas that I've broke free. I want them uh, to do well even before I do well. I actually genuinely care for others. For in success, the flesh would say, I worked hard for this. I deserve this. I want more. I only feel comfortable around successful people. I live for more success. My goal is success and not sacrifice. I feel more worthy when successful under the law. I feel more worthy when I'm going towards the line of succession because I'm not, I'm not complete. Whereas I'm already complete at the other side of the law. And so I'm not, I'm not looking for success. I've got success in Christ. I'm looking for purpose. And with purpose comes sacrifice. And so the Spirit would say, I'm already successful because of Christ. I'm already saved. I'm already whole. God's got the whole world in his hands, and my world's in his hands too. I'm a, I've got an emotionally stable foundation. See, if, if success makes you, failure will destroy you. And so I just love that. Our foundation is often built in our failures. Often people switch off in our, in our failures, in our heartache, but actually that's the perfect moment. For, you're, actually, it's not the perfect moment. It is the moment that you're building your spiritual foundation. Your emotional foundation is built in hardship. And so if you turn, switch off in, in a broken situation, in a place where you've felt hurt, betrayal, anything, if you switch off for a moment, I'm telling you, you will start to build 
a foundation based on pride, based on your ideas, based on just what you think. But if you switch on, you can start to build a firm foundation on Jesus, on Christ. You can start to speak what He says over you. And, and when the good times come, then pride doesn't have to kick up. You can give glory back to God. And it actually sustains you when you're being successful. How many people have you seen who maybe, you've heard of this, maybe someone gets famous overnight, become a millionaire overnight, and because they have a bad foundation, and a dysfunctional foundation, the money actually makes the problem worse. Have you seen that? And they actually end up losing all the money, and actually their life's in a bigger mess. Why? Because before, they actually, maybe there was a hard time before that, or, or, or there was issues before that, that they developed a dysfunction, and, and the money just put, just put fuel on the fire. And so what I'm saying is the betrayal that you've experienced or maybe experiencing, the heartache that you're experiencing, don't waste it. Use it to lay a firm foundation because you're going to need it later. Use it to train your soul and your emotions to come into obedience to the Scriptures and to Christ because it's going to sustain you later. Are you with me? No? You with me? <laughs> right, as, as Kate comes, we're going to finish off there. Let's go ahead and stand. So faith is God's economy. God works in the economy of faith. We can't please God without Him. We've all fallen short of God's standard, His holy standard, but the law is still holy. And Jesus brought the person of the Holy Spirit and not the law of the Holy Spirit because he wanted to connect us to people, to a person, to a relationship. And listen, that relationship, maybe today you're saying, Phil, I need to make some shifts. I've maybe fallen into law. I stopped receiving the grace of God and started performing for God in the hope he'd be pleased. Listen, if you've received Christ, he's, he's pleased with you. Now, if you want to move forward into the purposes of God, that takes obedience. But you can't, you can't obey and overcome the curse without Christ, without the Holy Spirit, without relationship, without the anointing and the power of God. You can't do it on willpower alone. And so maybe there's some people in here and you need to make a decision. You need to draw a line in the sand. You've been, you've been maybe in spiritual environments or, 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 or Christian environments and, and you, you've just got the message that I need to work for salvation and it's wrong. And just like the Galatians, Paul's saying today and, and Christ is saying through Paul, listen, this is by faith alone. And, and then you'll start to see your actions look after themselves as you do relationship, as you come into community, as you talk, as you humble your heart. From, and it's very easy to humble your heart when you know you're loved. It's, it's very easy to humble your heart when you know you're already accepted, chosen, the price is paid for. Let's get down to business. I believe that some of you in here today aren't breaking free in major areas of your life because you've been trying to do it. You've been in church, but you're trying to do it your own way. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. 
If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.